Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. of Inside Sports, Dave Campbell, and for Reed Wilkins tonight, he'll be back on Monday to present the best of Inside Sports, back for another live show on Tuesday, and right now, the Vegas Golden Ice Dallas Stars, uh, about uh, under six minutes to go in, oh, here's a good chance there by the Stars in the power play, under six minutes to go, and uh, yeah, uh, the Oilers know how good Aiden Hill was as well, so uh, Aiden Hill just made about two or three great saves on uh, a star's power play didn't catch who the uh, goals or the uh who the uh player was that he'll stoned a couple times yeah that was uh Wyatt Johnson boy that's three just hug that pose and Johnson just chopping it like like he's a tree or something on that on that uh, right pad of hill zero zero as the stars turn to close the gap thanks to uh some power plays here but it's 0-0. The Eastern Conference Final resumes tomorrow night in Carolina. Canes will look to uh, even up that series at 1. In the NBA tonight, Eastern Conference Final game at number 2. It's the uh, Boston Celtics leading 33-24 over the Miami Heat, trying to tie that series up at 1. Toronto Blue Jays right now falling 4-1 to the Baltimore Orioles. We have a three-way tie at the Master, or Masters, the PGA Championship, uh, which does include the Masters winner, uh, Scotty Scheffler, along with Canadian Corey Connors and Victor Hovland. They're at five under par. And on Monday, yes, indeed, the Edmonton Elks and 630 Chad back together again for a 30th broadcast season, 30th consecutive broadcast season. I'll be there. Morley Scott will be there. Blake Dermott will be there. And this man, Brendan Escott, your host, pre, half, and post. It's going to be a full booth at McMahon Stadium in the visitor's booth, and we've already warned them, Esco, we're coming, so you better be ready. I can't wait, Dave, to uh, to lift the lid on 2023. There's a lot of reason for optimism around the team. And, yeah, we just happen to have the opportunity with the game just down the QE2 this year to uh, to jump in the car and, and drink in the experience. It's only year two for me, of course, in this role. So an opportunity to go see a game in a visiting stadium and take in uh, what that press box is going to be like and, and uh, eyes on the green and gold and game action is going to be very exciting as well, Dave. We can go down the list of players they've added this offseason or players that we expect to improve on returning campaigns. There's uh, there's a big smile on my face when I talk about this football team. Yeah, no question. And, I mean, the way the year ended uh, in 2022 with another home loss, sadly, and that's I, I don't even want to count anymore, but I believe it's 17 straight losses at home. Their last home win was in 2019 uh, when they clinched a playoff spot, actually. The famous Logan Kilgore bit his tongue and looked like he was from a horror movie. Uh, that came with that. And that's the last win we've seen. That was what, October 12, 2019. But as we turn the page here, Brendan, when we talk about what happened through the off season and what you've been hearing out of training camp uh, from you know coach Chris Jones and some select players i mean what what's really what really stands out for you that could be a different year for this team 
well, it's hard to look past the wide receiver room, which happened to land probably the biggest free agent fish in the CFL this offseason. And, and Eugene Lewis coming off a career year for him, 1,303 receiving yards, but all five years worth of his time in Montreal. This is a player who is, was known around the league as a playmaker. So there's your Kenny Lawler replacement right there. I, I just love the idea of what he might bring. There's one thousand yard receiver, and then you had Stephen Dunbar Jr., who had a thousand yards last year in Hamilton. Okay, well that's great. So now, uh, oh, Dylan Mitchell's coming back, by the way, and he's talking about a two thousand yard season. <laughs> and if you watched him play last year, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, no. he'd be the fourth guy all time to do it. But you know what I mean. So as you start putting putting all these pieces together, I haven't even mentioned Kyron Moore, who can uh, electrify the the return game as well as impact the receiving room, and you got Manny Arsenault there to uh, to lend the advice column, the, the listening ear whenever need be. He's the kind of guy that he's almost like a player and a coach at the same time when you listen to him talk. So um, I think they've got a really positive thing going uh, in that sense. And you've got Taylor Cornelius who has spent an entire offseason knowing that he's the man this year in green and gold. So um, again, I say excitement is probably the, the, the fallback word for me on this front, but the wide receivers would be the big biggest reason going into this year yeah for sure and uh, like is it just me brendan i I know morley is really really high uh, as far as his optimism is uh, with this team i think he said they can get up to 10 wins um the elks can is it just me or is the west past winnipeg because i still think they're they're the they're the juggernauts they're the class of the west and i think if you're going to go to the gray cup you got to go through winnipeg but is it just me or does it seem like the west is wide open with the other four teams Oh, absolutely. Just if you were only going to look at the quarterback situation coming into this year, Saskatchewan does not have Cody Fajardo. And even if they did, I'm not sure how many people are believing in that at this point. Trevor Harris is the point man there. It's not Nathan Rourke in BC uh, for the sake of the league, for the sake of excitement and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, maybe it would be better if he was, but he's not. It's Vernon Adams Jr., right? And then you look at Jake Merrick down the QE too. So uh, it is very wide open in this sense because there's no reason for me to believe that with the cast of characters that Edmonton has in this offense that Taylor Cornelius can't be in the exact same conversation as everybody that I've just named. So uh, I factor in year two of of Chris Jones. I factor in some all-star additions like Lucius Purifoy who uh, was um, basically a cap casualty or a bonus casualty out of BC. That sort of thing. Like This is where you've assembled the team that Uh, could reach I could see double digit wins certainly because to me last year wasn't a four win team it was probably more like a six win team that coughed up a couple games Joined by Brendan Escott, the uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame host on Edmonton Elks broadcast here on 630. Chad, we got the Elks and Stampeders on Monday, Victoria Day. No, they're not starting a new tradition for another holiday Monday between these two teams, by the way. They're keeping Labor Day, but this just happened to fall on Victoria Day. It's a 1230 countdown to kickoff, 2 o'clock kickoff, McMahon Stadium on uh, Monday. Uh, And also, Brendan, you a contributor to the Oilers Radio Network, also producer of Oilers Now, which has been extended. Ended. Well, it'll go back to two hours, but you had three-hour shows for the last, what, three, four weeks or so. But, man, has this not felt like the longest week ever since the Oilers lost to the Vegas Golden Knights and were bouncing six games on Sunday? 
Yeah, wind out of the sails, and, uh, and then you're trying to use that wind to get through the work week and, and toward the long weekend. And it was it was tougher in the sports department, certainly, and I imagine that Oilers fans feel the same. Disappointment is an understatement because of the team that they had this year. But I, if you look at the whole playoff performance, I, I think that there was – some players who are going to have to look at long and hard in the mirror, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, for example, just guys that didn't really show up during crunch time and say that, yeah, the, the Stanley Cup window is right now. Like This would have been a year that it would have made perfect sense for Edmonton to be in the Western Conference Final again, or even you know beyond that. That being said, I would still suggest that everybody's contract and the way that they've structured this lines up for another probably three years worth of a Stanley Cup opportunity. Mm -hmm. So how do you supplement what they've done and what they've proven that they can do? I think the main area this offseason, Dave, is going to be trying to upgrade the void at the right wing position in the top six. Kyler Yamamoto is three years removed from that point per game pace that he put up after his initial call up to the NHL. Uh, he's a $3 million price tag, and I just don't see any production there um, that warrants that kind of money where you could better allocate it for somebody with um, either a bigger frame or a little bit different angle that they can contribute to the game with. So that would be one thing that I can see them tweaking in the offseason for sure in an offseason that uh, it's again for the next couple probably is going to be pretty interesting watch Ken Holland continue to push his chips into the middle if, if it's not one of his last moves as Oilers GM here and it's what's going to be his final year well he already has uh, one of the best lines so far we're not even in the offseason yet uh, in the NHL but we are in the Oilers the uh, I don't invest in green bananas comment is definitely going viral Sometimes you have to sift through a lot of content to find a good Ken Holland clip, and that was absolute gold. Didn't even have to polish it that much. And he's he's right. And what he's saying is, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do anything that I'm not going to be around to reap the benefits of. In a sense, like he's here to win a Stanley Cup as well. He wants to have one more before riding off into the sunset. And this is the last year's contract. So again, a quintessential sort of Ken Holland offseason where he's making an addition like a Hyman or a Kane or an Ekholm, that might have to be the final uh, throw here, the Hail Mary by him to see if he can't get this team to Stanley Cup. At least um, they're contenders, but you know, maybe to the final. All right, Esco, I'll let you get back to enjoy uh, some of the long weekend here, and we'll see you at McMahon on uh, Monday for uh, preseason game number one. I cannot wait. The band is back together. Uh, man, let's just let's just get it let's just get it going here, and I can't wait. We'll see you on Monday, okay? Sounds good, Dave. Safe travels down there. We'll see you soon. You betcha, Brendan Escott. Uh, pre-game, halftime, post-game host on Edmonton Elks broadcast here on six thirty. Chad renewing for a thirtieth consecutive season. Uh, it fits. It fits like a glove. And uh, of course, contributor for Oilers uh, Radio Network and producer of Oilers Now. And yeah, the the disappointment has been heavy. Um, and you know, I, I was a little surprised that. Uh, well, maybe not surprised. I don't know, but. Reed was talking yesterday. He was on a uh, station in Calgary. Yeah, he was on uh, Pat Steinberg's station, Sportsnet 960. Pat uh, wasn't on Pat's show, but Pat's been on this show many, many times. And Reed said, this is probably one of the most disappointing moments in the franchise's history. And you have to go back. I mean, that's like 49 years. And a lot of people were like, or some people were like, 
I think he said we had one comment saying, well, how could you say that? I mean, that's ridiculous. So it got me to thinking, Derek, what would be more disappointing than what happened to the Oilers on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, this just felt like the year, didn't it? It felt like all the pieces were lining up and this was going to be our time, and just suddenly it was over. Yeah, it's it was very disappointing for yeah. sure. So I, I do have a, f- a few moments that are more disappointing. Steve Smith's goal that bounced off Grant Fuhrer's right leg in the 86 uh, Game 7, 1986 9th Division Final, where the Oilers lost in seven. That's That's probably the most heartbreaking moment that I can remember. Then 2006, losing in seven games of the Carolina Hurricanes. Let's face it, the Oilers barely got in, but once they got in, they caught fire. And Dallas has scored, by the way. I think Jason Robertson finally has found the back of the net. He hasn't scored in eight games. This is a 46-goal score. But he finally scored tonight as the Stars, who were dominated early in this game in the first period. Uh, they've come back, and Jason Robertson has broken the goose egg. Oh, maybe he didn't get a shot on that. Or get a stick on that. Rupe Hintz, who is their leading scorer, he shot the puck. Oh, yeah, Robertson deflected it. So Robertson gets the stars on the board. But the 06 Oilers barely got in. But once they got in, they caught fire, upset Detroit, upset San Jose, beat Anaheim, Game 7, Carolina Hurricanes lost. I don't care what the expectations are. When you get to Game 7 and lose... That's it's not much worse than that. That's pretty, that, yeah, exactly. That's pretty tough. Um, 83 Stanley Cup final, uh, lost in four straight to the Islanders. I mean, the, the Oilers weren't even close in that series, weren't even close, but it was disappointing because you thought they had the team. And then beyond that, I mean, I, I would, I would put this, this recent happening. I would agree with that. When yeah. you put it like that, I would agree with that for sure. Not this losing to the Stars and the Avs when the Oilers were finishing six to eight. That's that doesn't. That's not in there. I, I would say I would put the L.A. Kings, uh, that miracle on Manchester and losing in five games in '82. But I, I would think that I think, and I barely remember that. But I, you know, I've seen the 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 clips and all that, and that did seem like a huge disappointment. But I don't know if they were Stanley Cup ready. This team is Stanley Cup ready. And you go back to the bubble and the qualifying series and losing to Chicago. Yeah, but the thing is, is that it was four months. Everyone reset, even if the Oilers were a five seed and the Hawks were a 12 seed. I mean, Montreal went far in that, in that series. And then losing to Winnipeg in four straight was disappointing. But that was a strange year because everyone was regionalized in their own bubbles. And then last year, four straight loss to a four-game loss to the Colorado Avalanche. But everyone was pretty like, hey, we're going to take a step here. Like, we're... We're, we're, on, the, we're on the cusp, man. We're going we're gonna to get back there next year. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So, now, should Stuart Skinner be traded? And that that's the thing that has irritated me the most. Well, let's get rid of Stuart Skinner. Why? Why would you do that? They owe Jack Campbell the chance to get the net back. But something that Frank Cervalli said today kind of struck with me um, on Bob's show today is that, does it say something to you that they had a chance to go to Jack Campbell, even though Jack Campbell was playing really, really well, does that telling that how they felt about Jack Campbell? Uh, you came in and you saved us 
from a loss to the LA Kings and you came off the bench three other times and looked good, but we didn't think you were good enough to start. Jack Campbell is going to have to have a big year next year. They don't need to overhaul. They need to tweak. That's it. That's all they need to do. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. He'll be back on Monday for the best of edition of 630 Chet Inside Sports. Back to normal on Tuesday. Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl uh, at the end of the season, emotional at the end of Game 6, and uh, pretty... Pretty poignant. Yeah, we think we're a good team. But you know what? We better show it, or it doesn't matter. We better learn to defend. We better learn to stop beating ourselves. And as Connor McDavid, the captain, said, it's cup or bust. Uh, Western Hockey League final could be over tonight as the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds up 3-1 on the Winnipeg Ice. And, in fact, the whole Memorial Cup table could be set. It starts a week today in uh, Kelowna or Kamloops. Cloner Kamloops. I got to. I have to check that. Um, but the uh, table could be set tonight, as uh, the CHL could have a Ontario Ontario Hockey League champion, a uh, Q champion, and a WHL champion. Kamloops. There you go. Thank you very much, Derek Scott. Indeed. Indeed. They're at their uh, one period of play in Dallas. The Stars up 1-0 on the Vegas Golden Knights. Jays losing 4-1 to the Baltimore Orioles. Actually 4-2 now as uh, Bo Bichette uh, uh, grounds out the shallow infield in that score to run. Get him however you can, right? <laughs> We're going to talk uh, more hockey. We're going to meet Joe Aginla, the 14-year-old son of Legend Jerome Ginliff, selected in the first round by the Oil Kings in the uh, Prospects draft. We'll talk more Elks with Assistant General Manager G. Roy Simon, who uh, rolled up his sleeve like Chris Jones did. So we're going to make this football team better. It's Campbell in for Wilkins, Friday evening edition of 630 Chad Inside Sports.